how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 386, where I speak with playwright and showrunner, screenwriter Brandon Jacob Jenkins about his new series, Kindred, which is on FX Hulu. Uh, we talk about his early career, how he got into playwriting, uh, some motivations from people like Bo Willimon and Elizabeth Merriweather, who kind of bridged the gap between writing plays and then running TV shows. We talk about finding your voice, his love for the series Kindred, moving from plays to television, what that like in terms of expectations and misconceptions, how to overcome development hell after five years, advice for other writers, and why writing is everything and you shouldn't worry about pitching yourself, just love to do the work. You can also find this on Creative Screenwriting's website. I'm pretty sure that what started me writing was reading actually and I was like always quite bookish and I always liked reading books and I remember there was a day where I was I finished something and I was like I don't think that was good and I feel like I could do it better basically and that was sort of the first time it dawned on me that I could try to tell stories um and you know I think I came to dramatic writing um much later much farther after that like I wrote lots of fiction and poetry and things but it wasn't until I was in college when I was like oh maybe dramatic writing is the thing that I can pursue so I also grew up my grandmother I, grew, I spent some of my grandmother who also like wrote plays for her like community in her church and so that was always kind of in the in my world you know I like to joke I'm a second generation playwright <laughs> Were you, it sounds like in the beginning, you're pretty much open to like any type of writing. Um, how did you kind of find, like, what's some of the logistics of the way you found yourself to this television show now? From like being a <laughs> seven-year-old Stephen King reader. Um, let's see. I, well, you know, I sort of, when I was in high school, I did something called the University of Virginia Young Writers Workshop. And it was this kind of amazing, idyllic summer program that used to be housed at UVA. And um, I, I would apply for like fiction writing, but then there was one year where fiction was over full. And so they combined a fiction section with um, a dramatic writing section, like a screenwriting playwriting section. And that was my first time ever being around that kind of way of writing and those people and that thinking. Um, and they were just like the cool kids. I just like wanted to be with the cool kids. All the cool kids are like film guys, film nerds and like, you know, theater people or whatever. Um, but I didn't really think it was a thing I was going to do, do. Uh, and then I got to college and again, was like writing short stories and like writing, just writing fiction. And, um, I taken sort of all the like courses I could take in that, like all the creative writing workshops. And so, um one day I was like you know what I want to work on my dialogue so I signed up for a playwriting class and that really like unlocked something that class was quite a, a transformative pivot point for me um and that's when I began writing plays 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I kind of kept going after that. And I'm primarily known as a writer for the theater or as a playwright. But um, this thing started happening sort of in like the mid teens of the 21st century where playwrights were suddenly like doing television work um, sometimes just to make money. But there were people like Bo Willimon and Liz Merriweather and Carly Minch and these folks who were having like extreme success as showrunners. And so there was like this interest in playwrights suddenly happening. And um, I did a lot of uh, like rooms basically quietly just to sort of support myself, but not necessarily because I thought I was going to be a TV writer. But um, along the way, my agents were saying to me, like, if there was ever a TV show that you wanted to make, what would it be? And I'd had this moment um, sort of right after I'd reread Kindred for like the fifth time in my life. And I was like, I think Kindred's a TV show. And it became sort of a Moby Dick for me for like 10 years. I was like chasing the rights and, um, and finally kind of it all kind of slowly came together. But this is sort of the product of many years of, of, of attempting and trying. Was there, uh, before we get to your, your latest work, um, was there a point during that where you started to recognize your voice as a writer? Was it, was it in early plays or when did you start mm-hmm. to kind of see some themes that really set out as your personality? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I guess I don't know if I believe that um, you can hear your own voice as a writer. I think you just sort of write how you write and people kind of reflect it back to you. Mm-hmm. I would say that, um, Early on, I think certain obsessions or preoccupations or themes kind of began to announce themselves to me. You know, I was always interested in sort of um, family drama, for lack of a better phrase. Like I was interested in sort of family relationships and how those played out in drama. And I was always interested in sort of themes of history and how history still haunts or lives with us and... I was always interested in sort of complicated, like moral situations. Um, and I was, so I feel like if there was some, you know, if someone was like forcing me to pitch myself, I'd be like, well, that's kind of what I do. What I do is I kind of do radical adaptations that often are trying to be reflections of like contemporary social mores. And um, there's always sort of a historical element and there's often an element about sort of intercultural or interracial entanglements or encounters and um you know i really you know you sort of try to ultimately make the thing you want to see right so mm-hmm. i would think a lot about like i like things that have like I, I like high drama i like like a certain palette of emotions i like tension i like discomfort i like um i like to laugh but i also like to you know within the same episode gasp or feel you know to feel things so i try to i think i like i, I like stories that kind of pack in a, a different a, like a wide range of, of things to think and feel about hmm. are there any common misconceptions people have about writing plays any just like things that are totally off base oh man i mean people think it's easy people think they can just like write a play <laughs> but actually you know it's i always with some friends I was just joking the other day, like you often watch a television show and there's like a playwright in the show or like people are making a play. And it's sort of, I guess, is how like doctors feel when they watch ER where it's like, how do people really think we're like this? You know, there's a ton of, I think there's a lot of crap that goes into playwriting. Cause I think theater in some ways is really like a sport 
compared to something like television film, like you're building this thing that has to happen perfectly every night in the span of a certain amount of time. And it has to give everything, everything they need to kind of get to that end zone or that finish line. Um, and so you're, you're just using a different form of your brain. You're thinking about how people's energy levels flag and like where you can press in to press, not press out, you know, you're limited by time and space. So you have to do the things that the laws of physics ultimately allow you to do. You know, you can't sort of send the camera up into the sky and give me some like wide world, you know, sudden bird's eye view. You're kind of dealing with bodies and humans sweating and speaking and fighting and breathing and getting thirsty and having to pee. And that's like a lot of thought, a lot of work. You have to be very sensitive to, you know, actors, honestly. You have to really know what it is to inspire an actor and give them something they feel like it's worth doing and doing well, you know? Are, are there any like purposeful constraints you put on your television work based on your plays like limited um settings or something like that mm. not consciously you know i've had people say like sometimes my episodes feel like a play but <laughs> that might just be because my instincts are you know I, I really love unit time and i love to sort of live in moments and i like when things feel kind of real you know um and I also really go quite deep into like character motivation because ultimately you're asking these actors to make something that feels real and what they need is the thing that makes it feel real. So in my writer's rooms, even I'm like very, uh, you know, I can get very fine detailed because I'm just trying to shore up um, some sense of the reality, like the emotional reality that these characters are, are living through. Um, and, you know, I think, I find I'm someone who like doesn't like to cheat with time. You know, I like to really, I really believe that sort of suspense is a direct result of how much you compress time within a story. Um, so I don't necessarily have yet to write an episode that like covers multiple years <laughs> in one, in one 60 minute sitting, which doesn't say I won't, but yeah, I just like sort of getting actors to do something surprising on camera. That's maybe what, if anything, that's maybe what my, playwriting encourages in this form and I, I would imagine most of your plays are original ideas have you done other adaptations before or is this your first adaptation yeah i mean in the theater i've adapted like 15th century plays 19th right. century plays um i don't know but yeah a lot of that work though is original work i'd sort of do it i sort of do all of it you know i think when i think about the origins of dramatic writing which is honestly theater like it was always adaptation like shakespeare was adapting italian folk tales mm -hmm. you know or like histories and um that's not such a far cry from half of what disney does you know uh so uh yeah you know what is an original idea in the theater is like always an interesting question or even in film or television because ultimately you're translating something into into form into like living breathing bodies from somewhere you know whether it's your own life you know your own biography or it's some kind of like wizard novel you know <laughs> you're always sort of translating it into something else did anything feel uh, either more precious or less precious because this is a show that will live on forever as opposed to a play like how do you think about some of those things hmm. i mean yeah i guess the thing about a play is you can go to the actor and say, try different tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, in this form, what you have is what you have, you know, it's sort of frozen in time because it's, 
you know, it's what you captured on that day mm-hmm. with those actors and that, and that, on that set with that crew. Um, and so it's hard to really be precious. Cause I also feel like production is such a, even though like, you know, to, to, to rehearse a play is like six weeks. It feels really rushed and feels really compressed, but there's actually so much freedom inside of that because you're always mm-hmm. kind of holding the whole event in your mind and in the room. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's just so crazy, you know, filming film features, filming, you know, television show because you get through like five pages in a day and that's the only time you get with those five pages and those five pages determine what the rest of it is. And it's just a different, you always feel like you're being pursued by a monster that's like eating you up, you know, you're always trying to like get five pages ahead of the, of the beast, you know, and that's just a different, um, you know, nothing really becomes precious really. You know, that's the first thing people tell you is, there's no, there's no such thing as perfection in television, you know? Were there any um, misconceptions you had about what it means to be a showrunner? Anything that surprised you about taking on that role? Not really. I feel like I've been warned enough. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of management. Um, it's a lot of sort of patience and you have to like, like to pivot. You know, that's what someone once said to me. I thought that was very true. Like, you have to be the kind of person who likes to find the new idea um, when they need to find it. And I feel like that's one of the things I enjoyed the most was like solving problems. Like I have a brain that's sort of geared towards like puzzles. Like I love puzzles and mm. show running is truly like one escape room after another. Like every day is an escape room where you're like, okay, the keys to the teddy bear. And then you're suddenly outside in the escape room. Where you're like, oh God, there's not a teddy bear in this room. So there's something there. Um, and I know I also just, you know, it's always such a humbling shock, you know, either whether it's a show being picked up and, you know, you're, film, you're in production or it's like a play where like this thing you did by yourself with your laptop in like a cafe or whatever suddenly turns into you surrounded by like 500 professionals who are there to make this thing you dreamed up live in the world, you know, mm-hmm. as like an entity. So I would say like, compared to plays, which are, you know, those companies are whatever they are. Television is like that on crack. It's like 10 times as many people. The budgets are a hundred times, you know, it's like, it's such a, it's, it's truly um, wild to suddenly, you know, you write a, you write some sentence down, like they're sitting next to a house and then someone builds that house and you're like, holy crap, this never happens in the theater. You're like, this is like a real house, you know, right. um, that kind of, you almost feel like a kid in a candy store, you know, imaginatively. And that's, that was always like very surprising to me, very sweet and fun sort of experience again and again to like, I can't remember standing in the bar that I thought was just a dream, you know? So you may have already kind of answered this, but you said, you said you read the book five times. What kind of stood mm-hmm. out of is it just more of a gut feeling that you knew this was the one? Did you have a couple ideas and this one kind of stood out mm. or why was this, why was this the one? Well, I'll say that the kind of guiding light in my life creatively has been to do the things I want to see. You know, that's the only way that I think I can like buffer the pain of disappointment when it comes to the thing actually getting made. But I just, you know, I read the book and I was like, I think I want to, I want to see this. A, I want to see this. And B, I think it's a TV show because it's all about sort of time and being trapped and, you know, how the more time you spend with people, the the better you get to know them. And that's just like what television does really well. It's sort of, you just develop a relationship to the characters the more you invest in the world. And I just wanted to 
I just felt like that was what this show, the, the, the book needed. You know, I think the book for, up until we kind of came along, people had tried to make a film out of it, but it just like wouldn't work as a film. It's like mm. all about time and relationships. You know, the plot is something sort of other otherwise, you know? And what was kind of the writing process for this? Were you actually, do you hire a writer's room? How did you kind of go about choosing those people you're going to work with? Yeah. I mean, so I was in like development hell for like five years, five, six years where I like did like five different drafts and ideas and versions of it before we kind of landed on the version that the network was most interested in moving forward with. And um, yeah, I was given like a little mini room initially before we shot the pilot where we sort of, you know, like in all mini rooms, you're just trying to see how many, how much does the idea have legs? And I think we proved that it did have legs. And um, we, at that time, I think had pitched out like a broken 10 episodes Hmm. and then they shot the pilot and then they actually wanted eight episodes. We had to go back into the room and kind of figure that out. And, um, and it was about 16 weeks with the same writers and yeah we just sort of do what you normally do which is just break what you can split up the episodes and try to make it happen in time um and we had some writers on set um in and out which helped because you're constantly responding obviously to what's happening on the set or something or what's not happening on the set in some situations you know um but yeah, I think it was a pretty traditional uh, writing process as far as I understand how these things go. So did you always know where this was going? I think it's going to land on like the FX Hulu network. They're really killing it with a lot of stuff now. Like Atlanta's just went off, but Reservation mm-hmm. Dogs, they seem to be kind of leaning in toward like the minority character having the main voice. Did they say anything like that? Was anything kind of what their goals are with some of these new shows? No, not really. I mean, I think in the process of our developing this, you know, FX was bought by Disney and then then suddenly there was FX on Hulu. And so I don't think anybody knew where this was going when we sold the show in 2016. Um, I mean, I think honestly, they're just responding to what the data is now able to tell them about who's watching what. I mean, that's like sort of the advent of streaming is you can really pay attention to who's watching your shows and why and how what they value and i think that's just like the model that everyone's moving towards ultimately but no i wish someone had you know i wish there was some like state of the union about the importance of like minority viewership minority creative you know create yeah. content creators of color but no that has not happened unfortunately with that in mind was there um did you have to pitch this in terms in addition to tone, like, do you have to pick a genre? Cause it's kind of listed as like a, a sci-fi mixture. Like, where do you kind of see this? I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of, well, that's the book. It's, it's based on a book that is sort of thought of as a sci-fi classic, even though the writer doesn't call it sci-fi, she calls it fantasy. Mm-hmm. Fantasy reads to something other people, fantasy people see, people hear fantasy and they think Game of Thrones. Yeah. But at the same time, this is like a classic novel that like is taught in universities and taught in university of generations. And it has this sort of, aura of the literary about it so it's kind of caught between these two worlds um so i think it's hard to you know i don't think we sort of put it in one bucket or another i think we just let it be what it is which is like sort of this hybrid soap character based drama but also has this sort of spooky element to it this speculative element to it 
Did anything about um, being the showrunner writing this series, anything change the way you write and, and meaning like you may go back to writing plays, but something's a little bit different now, anything like mm -hmm. that, that, that stands out? That's a great question. Um, you know, I haven't written a play yet, so I don't, I can't quite say how it's going to change that part of me, but I definitely feel a lack of preciousness <laughs> in the sense that, Sometimes, you know, television and film really reward literal kind of like unadorned writing because people, you know, it's in addition to being a good read, it has to translate to your craftspeople and worker bees and crew people and artisans, like what they need to do. And I think that like when you're in development for so long and you're working so hard to impress these executives, you want to kind of like pull out all the stops as a writer and show that you have this like beautiful gift of language and you have these like different kind of ways of noticing. But the truth is that those things just like really get in the way when you have a seamstress who needs to understand what color this dress is. So you can't be like the ocean colored, you know, satiny, light bedazzled, you know, floor length gown. Like they're like, please just tell me what color this dress is so I can make it. So I think it's made me a somehow a more direct or efficient writer when it comes to sort of specific, um, specific kind of context like this one, you know? Um, you know, I think it's just also re just reaffirmed my belief that story is like everything, you know, no matter what genre you're in, if you can tell a story, you're going to be great. You know, any, whatever you can be a poet, you can be whatever people who, people who understand how story works, like that's just what the human mind craves, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this experience only kind of like maybe you want to double down on that belief, you know? Are you still writing um, multiple genres? Are you still writing poetry and all sorts of other things as well to kind of stretch those muscles? <laughs> Not publicly, no. I mean, I read a lot. I read, really, if I've been reading, oh, you can see my books here. I've been reading a ton of poetry, you know, because I can't. It's so funny things you can't do when you're working on a show. Like, I can't watch other shows. Like, I just started watching a scripted show yesterday for the first time in, like, months. Um, but for some reason, poetry becomes very calming to read because it's, you know, it's just a more compact, different kind of engagement with language and, and another person's voice. But no, I still, you know, I don't, I really just sort of write what I write. And right now it's just like television and plays, but I dabble sometimes in like essays or like critical writing. Um, I think during the pandemic, I started maybe two novels and didn't finish them. <laughs> so, you know, the the bug still lives in me, but um but you know, it's only 24 hours in a day, as they say. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you're, you're a young guy, but if you were to go back and read a script that you wrote five years ago, 10 years ago, would you notice giant differences? Like what are some of the yes. things that maybe you used to believe? Yes, that, I would. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that like, I, I used to be so sure this was the answer, but now I know that's no longer mm. the case. Anything like that that stands out? But the process I was at, like outlines are everything. <laughs> like right. I think for so long, I tortured myself <laughs> early in my career like I didn't understand what an outline was. I didn't know why I was outlining, you know, and I realized that outlining is really where you work out the math of what in that the script, the, the, you know, I, and in the same time, I would be so pissed off about my inability to outline and I would have these just like, you know, finishing a script was like torture, you know, but I realized that like, you kind of can't separate them as a pro as part of your process that like, you know, the script writing is always much more pleasurable, direct, Re result or direct um, proportion to 
how well you outline, you know? So that's definitely a thing I like have gotten over being resistant to. Um, and, you know, kind of character is everything mm. in the sense that, you know, you're not going to think your way into um, story. You know, you're going to build characters who take you through the story because they have specific needs and desires and things that they're working through. And I think that, um, you know, I think it took me a long time to really crack some of the characters in this world because I really thought that somehow the book would do all that work for me. But a book is a book, you know, and a screenplay is a screenplay. And you have to really familiarize yourself with what they respectively can and can't do you know mm. and once you know that then adaptation becomes like a much much easier gig mm. i would say perfect we're, we're almost out of time um any other advice you might have if you were kind of starting over today how might you go mm. about getting noticed for those type of things either as a playwright or a screenwriter you know i think there's a funny desire to like brand yourself very early before you really know what you like to do or you're interested in. I think there's a lot of writers out there who actually just want to be writers, but don't actually like writing. And I think that, the, and I think those people have very short comments, very short careers, right? And I think you have to like, before you worry about getting noticed, what's going to get you noticed is the work. That's what you want to get you noticed. And the only way to get the work is to do the work. And I think part of it is, and part of doing the work means liking to do the work, you know? So I feel like I always tell my students, like, if you just write, if you write a ton, if you just write, 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 and you stop trying to write the thing that's going to get you discovered, and you just write things you like and that are interesting to you, and you get good at writing, and you get confident with writing, and it stops being a thing that makes you anxious, then you'll notice that, like, it gets easy to be noticed because, you know, you have the receipts to prove it. This is what I've been doing myself. This is what I do. And I'm a good, I'm a surefire bet here because... I don't need someone's permission to write. I need someone's encouragement to write. I'm just someone who writes and this is what I have to offer. And if you can like get into that mindset, I think you're pretty much like unstoppable, you know, I think. Um, so yeah, I would say like, stop worrying about pitching yourself and just let the work pitch you basically. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on screenwriting there. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new course called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com slash television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com slash television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.